Yeah, I had to get a cat hair off of my mouse. I was watching a TikTok of a person demonstrating how beautiful their their store is. Like, come on in for a tour. And all I could look at was how this woman's jacket was covered in cat hair. And that's why I followed hers because I was like, yeah, that person is like me. Even though this has nothing to do with your cat at home, mm-hmm. you are obviously a pet owner and I love it. Yeah. If you own a cat, you at some point accept that you will never not have cat hair on you. Yeah. Like there's a period of time for maybe the first year where you own just so many lint rollers yeah. and lint brushes. And eventually they just fall by the wayside. You're never going to use them again. You just accept that you're covered in hair. We bought like Costco packages of lint rollers Mm -hmm. and they're like every entrance, exit, bathroom, whatever. And yeah, like I'm looking at two right now and just like, I can't be bothered. You know what? I got a cat. Deal with it. Yeah. And I'm looking at my shirt right now and I'm going, yeah, there's cat hair all over this. And I actually, like, if you'd asked me like 30 seconds before this conversation took place, I would say that I was relatively... Uh, hair free at the moment mm-hmm. and I would have been wrong because I just don't see it anymore <laughs> exactly I learned from having chaos the cat who was this beautiful black cat just dress like your cat so all of my clothes are pretty much black mm-hmm. like black gray dark greens I'm a very you know flashy person you can't see black cat hair on that type of wardrobe it was awesome people would be like you have a cat I'm like <laughs> I'll never tell my secret <laughs> I'll never tell <laughs> Um, no, we did the same thing, except we did it with a couch. We didn't want the couch to have cat hair. So we got a gray cat and a gray couch. Perfect. Does nothing for me who wears all black everything in the immortal words of Jay-Z. Although he wasn't referring to clothes. Yeah. But I still wear all black. It's, I I don't know. I I have no desire to wear very colorful clothes. I only wear a rainbow during like pride week. I'm not like, it's recently been St. Patrick's day. I hate St. Patrick's Day, especially if you work in education and showing up like just wearing your normal clothes and everyone's like, you're not wearing green, pinch, pinch, pinch. Like, do not touch me. I don't want to play. No, don't fucking touch me. No, like, I don't like these stereotypical, like, (laughs) Irish. I don't care for that. So, And that's just the kids. You're just walking through the halls, punching out children. And then you get into the office and it's the adults. The kids were fine. The kids weren't fine. It's the adults. The kids are like, their kids would just be like, meh, whatever. It was the adults that would show up and be like, mm, spoil sport. I'm like, why don't you get out of my face? Like, I'm not wearing green. Go away. That's when she snapped. She just started punching. <laughs> Pinching. I've got this Pinch, very pinch, vivid pinch. image of uh, you in my head where you were like one foot off the ground, like swing punching towards some person's face. Falcon punch. Smash. Yeah, exactly. Falcon punch. <laughs> Over St. Patrick's Falcon Day. kick. <laughs> Falcon Punch! I hate St. Patrick's Day there. You didn't hear that when Lexi said Falcon Punch. And you didn't hear that in your head? You're not a dork. Yeah, you're not listening to the right show. (laughs) If you can't hear the Smash Brothers characters when somebody mimics them or mentions their names. What are you doing? What are you even doing? Yeah. Yeah. Now, St. Patrick's Day is fine. Like, what did we do? We wore green. Good job, everybody. Eh. I didn't even put green food coloring in any of our food. And I'm a stay-at-home parent. I'm like desperate to find things to break up the monotony. So normally I just lunge at like, you know, we celebrate Chinese New Year every year or Lunar New Year, I should say. And, you know, part of that's family heritage for my wife and and my kids, but not for me. (laughs) For me, it's stay-at-home parent that's like, let's fucking decorate. Let's make some food. Let's like, let's get some of grandma's traditional recipes out. And I need, I'm just grasping for straws. But St. Patrick's Day? No. Nah, fuck that. No. It's, I don't want a shamrock shake. What is a shamrock shake? It's just a green milkshake it's disgusting. that I guess a leprechaun pissed into. <laughs> but even like that's how you get the frothiness. The I was reading um, an article about the negative connotations of leprechauns and how it's like an offensive thing for some Irish people. I don't know if that's true. Um, it's what the article said. Wait, uh, which part of it's offensive? Because isn't it part of Irish folklore? So the article stated that when Irish people first started coming to North America, um, they were treated very poorly by the, at that time, white. Yes. We've all seen gangs of New York. Exactly. So the that was a derogatory term or image used to describe Irish people at the time. And so it's just kind of stuck and then changed over the years. Just... 
Another reminder that insults from white people towards white people are never really that cutting, are they? I mean, it's... Oh, you got your pot of gold. <laughs> Wait, okay, hold up. Is it offensive to make fun of Irish people or Irish culture? I say no, because they're white. I feel like you shouldn't make fun of anybody. Like... Well, we wouldn't have much of a podcast if that were the case. <laughs> we, judging people and making fun of people are two different things, Ben. We judge people. I think poking a little fun at <laughs> shamrocks and leprechauns is fine, but uh, I guess I can appreciate the... Because there's this whole other thing that happens, right? This whole like, oh, well, I'm Irish and we were persecuted as well. And it's usually thrown about yes. in discussions about race with America. And I'm like, you ain't and you isn't. Yeah. And, uh, People being like crappy. to Yeah, that sucks. But like, it's not, let's not get into that territory. Like, and especially uh, folks that are like, well, I'm, you know, my great, 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 great grandparents were Irish and also Swedish and maybe German and maybe Romanian. Like, you calm down. You're you're North American. Yeah. Just, we all want to feel special, and, and, but, you know. Yeah, let's try not to equate your, your plights as a white person who is looked <laughs> down upon by other white people uh, as the same as uh, people that were <laughs> subjugated to slavery and, uh, you know, reservations and other things like that, mass genocides. So if you haven't told, been able to tell... Potato famine notwithstanding. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's going to be that hey, kind of episode. if Matt Damon taught us anything, it's that you can live just fine on fucking potatoes. Oh, that movie... And eating them. I love that book. I recently finished reading Andy Weir's uh, newest book, and he's just great. Is it a follow-up called, like, Venus, where somebody survives no. on Venus by growing celery? It's, it's um, the Hail Mary Project. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not being brought in by the title. Oh, it's. I I could talk about it a lot, but I like science fiction books. I enjoy it. It was good. It had an alien in it. I liked it. That's an endorsement. An alien. An alien. Yeah. You don't say. Yeah. Well, we should do like a science fiction conversation one day about our favorite sci-fi books. Okay. I mean, we've dabbled a little bit into that with some of our book talks, but... But, like, this is real science fiction. I'm definitely not a hard sci-fi person. I'm more of a fantasy sci-fi. Oh, I love... I'm, I'm a more science fiction than fantasy person. Sci-fantasy. Sci that's what I like to call it. Yeah. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. <laughs> Space opera. Yes. It's a fantasy. I get what you were going for. Thank you. Hey! Welcome to our show. This is Dork Matters. Listen to our theme song. Welcome back. This is Dork Matters, the show by dorks, for dorks, about everything that matters to dorks. Uh, and I am your dad dork host, Ben Rankle, and with me as always is... Lexi, your animated dork. I love it. You are very animated. Look at those hands go. <laughs> this is how a cat would dance. <laughs> That's very good cat dancing. I suggest the cat returns if you want to see how cats dance. <laughs> what about Oliver and Company? Why would I worry... <laughs> That was a, like a Billy Joel dog? Come on. Yes, it was literally Billy Joel. <laughs> he voices uh, the, uh, the artful Dodger, Dodger the dog in that movie. Oh, that was a great movie. It's completely underrated. It's a great soundtrack, and yes. you can't find it on Apple Music right now. Oh, that's a shame. They have just the one song. It's a great song. But I love that flick. It was great. We are here to talk about uh, semi-related to Disney animated features. Uh, we're talking about Pixar. And what did we decide? How are we doing this? Is this a knockout, dragout fight? Do we have a bracket or are we just going to talk about our favorites? Um, we, we could go either way. I've got a little spiel about like the history of Pixar. If you're not aware of Pixar. Oh, this is new. I like it. I did it. some research it. because I was, uh, you know, on a little bit of a tear. Now, now let's stop and interrogate the term research, if you don't yeah, mind. Please do. When you say you did research, were you uh, doing research in the uh, modern... Uh, Sitting on the toilet, reading my phone. The modern freedom rioter. 
Yeah. Did you find a couple of links and watch a YouTube video or, or did you do the more scientific definition of research? Um, I like to believe I did the more scientific uh, method of research where I, I looked through a couple books that I have on Pixar and looked up a couple uh, websites, though I did check to make sure that they were scholarly because I don't mess. It, like, basically, if your website looks like it was made in 1997, I tend to not trust it. And then I checked the sources. So these are um, these are legit sources that I looked into here. Peer reviewed, you know, Pixar sources. Did they peer review Pixar information? Uh, I think that they do have researchers on staff to make sure things are like somewhat legit. Mm -hmm. Because you know, Disney in the past has not been super um, good with things. So I think that uh, they're trying to do a better job now. Yeah, are they? I, I mean, since they well, just stepped in it this last week, donating a bunch of cash to the don't say gay uh, Republicans in the U.S. Well, I would argue, Ben, that um, researching and knowing what you're doing, they knew what they were doing. So they did their research, understood it and made a choice. And so, yes, they did do their research and have their little fact checkers. And this is why we support pirating on Dork Matters. <laughs> the mouse don't need your money. Yeah, come on. If you want to support some of the people that worked on the projects, find some other ways to give them cash. I don't know if I'm actually uh, standing behind what I just said. I generally believe in paying <laughs> yes. artists. Um, I would, if I had to support what I just said, uh, argue perhaps that uh, purchasing a movie through Apple for Disney or Pixar doesn't necessarily pay the yeah. artists. Maybe we shouldn't be like, and also like Apple iTunes, blue, like, oh, wait a minute. Love Apple iTunes. I love uh, what they do with the uh, Apple podcast format, really democratizing uh, podcasts <laughs> for everyone. I'm not a shill. <laughs> oh. I, either they've got a bot crawling for negative, uh, negative uh, Apple slurs against them or uh, they don't. And if they do, then maybe they'll catch us. But otherwise, nobody's <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> Nobody from Apple corporate's like, what the fuck did they say? Throttle them. Don't let them have their couple hundred uh, listeners every episode. Uh, yes. Take it down. All right. So let's yeah. get into Pixar. What's Pixar all okay. about? What's their deal? Where did they come from? Where'd they go? Where'd they come from? Cotton Eye Joe. That's a terrible song. It's actually a very racist song. Oh, I wish I hadn't referenced it. Yes. What about the hamsters song that's sort of done on the same beat? Um, I I guess the hamster song's okay, but it is it the I same beat? Yeah, yeah. It's the same, isn't it? Yeah. Look out! It's another pedantic Jess rant about the internet. Skip ahead like thirty seconds if you don't want to hear this pedantic Jess rant alert. Pedantic. Pedantic. Okay, I got so committed to the idea that the hamster ants can't possibly be racist that uh, I accidentally did a bunch of research. So here is the result: the hamster dance song started out as a nine-second sampled clip from. A song called Whistle Stop, which is sung by Roger Miller and was part of the opening theme to the Disney animated Robin Hood film. And a art student by the name Deidre Lacarte in 1998, Canadian PS, made the song uh, and also accidentally made one of the earliest internet memes because they created the hamster dance GeoCities page, which was circulated as one of the very first memes on the internet. GeoCities, you have to look it up. I can't possibly get into how the internet started. Look it up. And then the version that we all know and love was created by the Boomtang Boys in 2000 and is titled The Hamster Dance Song. Hamster Dance, all one word, in case anybody was wondering. Uh, and apparently Disney did not actually allow the use of the whistle stop clip. So the Boomtang Boys had to create a sound-alike recording. So here's what I'll say. Does the Hamster Dance song, as we know it from the Boomtang Boys, kind of sound like Cotton Eye Joe? Yes. Was it inspired by Cotton Eye Joe? Uncertain. It was allegedly mostly inspired by the Whistle Stop clip, as popularized by the original Hamster Dance meme. So I feel like we're kind of pulling at a thread because... 
Uh, Disney did <laughs> some not great stuff, as was already mentioned. And I will also say that my research was not peer-reviewed. <laughs> my research is Wikipedia-reviewed, which is kind of peer-reviewed. But anyway, we don't need to go down there. So anyway, inconclusive. Still not sure if the hamster dance is offensive. I'm not going to play it here. But somebody else, feel free to do research and tell us. Please report back. Thank you. Pedantic rant over. Hey, fuck you, Cotton Eye Joe. Pixar. <laughs> Okay, so way back, children, in 1974, Whoa. I know, it seems like a long time ago. How long ago was that? Oh, God, I don't know. I want you to do math real quick. Wait. 74. 74. It's 2022. Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, 35. It is 48 years ago. Ooh, look at you, math man. It's easy when it's on even or round numbers, or I have a landmark like our birthdays to go from. I started breaking out the fingers, like one, two. (laughs) Wait, was I right? I thought you knew. (laughs) Fuck, I just said a number. You just said it. Well, um, this is why you stay in school. 2022 on your calculator and minus 1974. 48 years ago. Fuck, I can do math. I can do anything. Good job, Ben. Simple subtraction, motherfuckers. (laughs) So 48 years ago, the Computer Graphics Lab was founded by Alexander Schur, um, and he hired Ed Catmull and Malcolm Blanchard and then Alvy Ray Smith and David D. Francesco. I did. See, I did legit research on this. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So these guys uh, came together and they plugged away for a while before... Uh, being given a bit of a boost by one Francis Ford Coppola and George Lucas. And they were brought together to work on this computer graphics lab, and then they started doing computer animation. So if I remember correctly, Lucasfilm owned Pixar uh, in its infancy. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So basically, um, based on what they were doing with the computer graphics lab, which I think was in New York, um, they they had this injection of cash from Coppola and Lucas, and then they hired... Dun dun dun, John Lasseter. And then Lucasfilm kind of poached all of them. And they all left Computer Graphics Lab and went to go work for Lucas. And that's actually how Pixar was first devised, was them getting poached by their one company and brought into another one with Lucasfilm. Now, if you're familiar with Pixar at all, you know the name Lasseter and you know that we need a giant asterisk next to his name. Uh, If we were Wikipedia, you would scroll down and look for controversy. Dude did some shady shit, is no longer with Pixar. Yeah. We are going to set him aside for another time, though. Yeah. He was not a good dude, but he was a very big part of the company as it got started. So he's there. He's running throughout, but we'll just pretend we're, we're going to put him on the side here. Um, but when they were working at Lucasfilm, uh, these folks worked on things like Shrek 2. Hmm. And uh, a young Sherlock Holmes, the, the early days of animation, right? But um, do people remember young Sherlock? Is that the TV series where he's like in the future or whatever? No, wait, that's Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century or something. I don't know. I thought it was a movie. Oh, my bad. This was a film. Do people, do people still say my bad? Oh, sorry. No. Star Trek 2. I said Shrek 2. I was like, Shrek 2 is far too in the future. I'm not wearing my glasses, and I was looking at my notes really briefly. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, not Shrek <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Those are very different movies, Lexi. Those are very two different movies and very two different time frames. But do you now want a crossover? I kind of do. I don't. The Wrath of Khan starring <laughs> Mike Myers as Shrek. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, the Wrath of Donkey Khan. <laughs> Donkey Khan. Boo! That's such a dad joke. Oh my god! <laughs> I did my best. Uh, 1986, Pixar became its own independent company from uh, outside of Lucas, and that's when Ed Ed Catmull took over, and he wrote one of the best leadership books I've ever read, um, Creativity Inc. Highly recommended. It. It's a really wonderful book. I generally uh, think of leadership books as being a giant pile of shit. I loved it. That exist. Almost entirely to reinforce uh, the next wave of leadership books. I liked his because I thought it was a good standalone. And my takeaway from it was hire good people and get out of their way. 
Like your job as a leader is to make things easier for people to do their jobs, not to like stand in front of them and, you know, tell people what to do and micromanage. It's hire people that you trust, give them Mm -hmm. every support possible for them to do their job successfully, pay them and get the hell out of their way. And then when they are successful, take credit for everything that they've done. <laughs> I don't remember that did, chapter. No, in the book. was that not part of them? Oh, I could have. I you know what? Maybe I skipped it, but I did. I happen to be that. a skeptic. I'm sorry. So um, it was around this time this new independent company brought on an investor, one Stephen Jobs, who came in and was a whole mess of fun, right? Now, what does that name sound familiar? Um, he says, looking at his iPhone with his Apple Watch <laughs> and his iMac in front of him. Uh, Steve Jobs was one of the one of the founders of Apple. Oh, right. He's best known as uh, Tim Cook's predecessor. Right. Yes. And the was. And the was. Um, let's see. So, and it, also around this time, so in the early '90s, this is when Disney started to show an initial interest in Pixar to the point that they wound up buying um, the Pixar software RenderMan, which was used in. Lots of different movies, including Rescuers Down Under, which is one of the greatest Disney films ever. John Candy as the seagull. It's pretty great. That's one of the fun things about looking back at some of the 90s Disney movies from that like you know golden era that they did is that there's actually yeah. a lot of CGI that you wouldn't have realized yeah. was there as a kid. Tons. Aladdin escaping from the Cave of Wonders, uh, the ballroom mm-hmm. in Beauty and the Beast, um, even the ship in uh, The Little Mermaid in 89 is, uh, wow, is, is rendered. So I wonder if they use the software for that stuff, but it's really cool. I was just watching Little Mermaid uh, the other day. We were trying to show our toddler for the first time, and then uh, you realize really quickly that there's a lot of shit in there that isn't really great for a toddler, and then some <laughs> of it's a, that's just not great for anybody. no. So we watched all of about 15 minutes of that movie and then moved on. <laughs> like, what if we just didn't watch this anymore? Oh, gosh. Oh, right. The crab's super racist. <laughs> yeah, Disney's problematic. The Sea Witch is a little bit scary. They they played nicely in the sandbox with Pixar um, until the early 2000s. And that's when there started to be some disagreements between the two companies in terms of things like ownership and copyright over different products. Yes, Ben. I have my hand up. Can I ask a question, teacher? Yes. Please do. Um, do it. What is the the primary way that a larger corporation settles disputes with a smaller corporation? They absorb them. <laughs> no. Did that happen in this case? Yes, it did eventually. <laughs> did they just buy their ass? Um, they split ways for a little bit, but by a little bit, I mean like six years and then basically Disney bought out Pixar. That's actually longer yeah. than I would have expected. I was surprised. I thought it was longer because I remember there being a little bit of a rift, but uh, no, they bought um, Disney bought Pixar in 2006 for $7.4 billion, which is a lot of smackers. Wow. God, dollar ruse, if you translate that into Canadian dollars. $90 million, dollars, yeah. Good billions. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot. Um, yeah, but this is when we start to get into the Pixar that I became obsessed with as a young art student person, um, because they eventually, around the time of this merger, buyout, whatever, they opened a Canadian campus in Vancouver to work on smaller projects. 2010. 2010. I believe I was in Vancouver right when they were opening that. And it only lasted for three years before they shut her down. It's one of the most heartbreaking things of, uh, I, know. I don't know, of Vancouver. I don't know. There's a lot of heartbreaking shit in Vancouver. There's a lot. Of, that That's maybe not the most heartbreaking thing. <laughs> um, so Exponential homelessness, drug trade. Oh, Vancouver, you break my heart. But that was that was that was a tough sellout for the Canadian campus of. Um, Could you imagine starting that up and like just ugh. really being the driving force behind it, trying to get like, I remember no. they came to some of the schools there at the time, like uh, Vancouver yep. film school and stuff. And we're talking to people doing talks and trying to get people hyped up to move into that studio when they graduated. And nope. Nope. Just wasn't there. No. And that's the sh- a shame because there are some really incredible animation uh, schools around Canada you think that there would be more of a market for a Pixar-like studio of that size and stature to be up here. But what are you going to do? They shut her down. Well, there's a lot of, uh, from my understanding, a lot of smaller outfits and VFX outfits and animation outfits. They just are are used as like 
you know, work workhouses for yes. the, the studio names. Yeah. You kind of outsource your work to different animation and animators, really. Yeah, so Pixar is just one of the last of the those big companies that's kind of synonymous with tech and animation. But there's things, you know, it, it is one of those companies that first started the cool work environment and being able to bring your dog to work and their slurpy machines. But that's also in the most recent kind of couple of years been proven to be very insidious. And so, of course, the controversy around John Lasseter being a complete cretin and sexual deviant harassing people. Um, as well as just the culture and animation being incredibly toxic. And sure, yeah. even right now, just uh, conversations about the, the huge pay discrepancy of different animators, storyboard artists, character designers. Yeah, unpaid overtimes. Yes, bananas, work hours. Full-time hours they were exploited into. Yeah. Well, if you have a cool work environment, why would you ever want to go home, stay here and work a 14-hour yeah. day? Have another three Slurpees. Right? Bring your dog. You don't have to go home to let them out. There's a daycare. Your kids can just, like, live here. So, <laughs> I am currently suffering from unpaid overtime. <laughs> My job starts at 6 or 7 in the morning when I wake up and ends at uh, around 8, 8.30 when my kid goes to sleep. But even then, you're on call. I'm on call. <laughs> Oh my god, I just depressed myself. <laughs> Jesus. But even looking at all of that, <laughs> my job is very gratifying. Uh, looking at all of those kind of not great things about Pixar, you're uh, looking at a gal who applied to work there three times. Wow. I know. How'd that go? Poorly. Uh, actually, no, really well. I'm there right now, Ben. Not what? sitting in my closet. Surprise. I know. Oh, I'm glad you're. We wouldn't have this important <laughs> podcast without it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I created a sketchbook once and sent it as a portfolio. I created a website another time. Um, my dream was to go to art school to work on character design for video games and for things like Pixar. And then the meat grinder that was art school did not uh, produce someone talented enough to work at Pixar. So I have kind of like a melancholy relationship with Pixar 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 because I love them so much Pixar, Pixar is it uh, Pixar's very muscly older brother <laughs> it's the Pokemon it's the evolved form of Pixar yeah Pixar is evolving into Pixar <laughs> it's just the uh, lamp but with like two huge pecs I always want I still want to work at Pixar I still want to do concept yeah. art and storyboarding but you know what I, I know what I am. I've realized I, I, I don't have the dedication or the drive to do something like that. Oh, um, there's definitely, yeah. and I also don't work well with others. I mean, I had the same dream too. I think a lot of people oh, yeah. that ended up at art school at the same time as us. Uh, I went to ACAD because I didn't get into sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get into Emily Carr. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I applied to Emily Carr again as well after I left ACAD. <laughs> Uh, turns out two dropouts don't look good on your transcripts. You're just waiting for the right time. Yeah. Is it now? Yes. Do it. I don't even do it want now. to yeah. anymore. Well, that's the thing. Like uh, I was thinking about why didn't I get into the design department? And I realized it's because, well, I wasn't good enough. But then I also realized no one at art school really taught me anything. Like once I got into the jewelry department, I would say I actually had teachers but up until then, people were like, your art's not good. And I was like, okay, but what, so what do I do? And they were like, make it better. I'm like, okay, but like, I'm paying you money. So can you help me? And they're like, yeah. fix it. Jesus yeah, foundation Christ. year wasn't exactly uh, a very, um, it wasn't focused on trying to get you prepared to go into a Bachelor yeah. of Design in Visual Communication, um, which I know a lot of us in our year wanted to do. It was designed to get you to think differently and get you to experience things and try things out mm -hmm. and try to change the way you look at art and the world. And I guess it was successful in that way, but yeah, there was a great many of us that wanted to get a bachelor of design in it, oh, uh, yeah. visual communication. And uh, we did not make the cut. No. It was a very competitive program. Oh yeah. It, and to this day, I, I still struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, the graduates, the alumni from that program are, uh, my wife among mm -hmm. them, very uh, generally successful people. So I don't have to be. <laughs> oh, I, I still, I was back there recently and looking around the walls, like I still, 
the pangs of sadness for not getting into the department are still very real because I love the work that the kids there do. It's, it's so, so cool. cool. I wish I could have done but it too. I, yeah. I blame myself for not having any idea of how to apply or how to act in the right way yes. or how to produce the work that was appropriate. I blame 90% myself for not being ready for that level of work and dedication. Too young. Oh, 18 year olds should not be making a decision like that. But the 10% maybe hire people that teach because having someone come in and be like, that's not good enough. Like, can you tell me what to fix then or how to fix it? Yeah. I think they should have been much more focused on getting people into that stream in first year, if you were interested and uh, focusing that entire first year on portfolio yeah, preparation. That would have been helpful. Um, you know, they offered us like two pre-courses and it just isn't enough. Or at least it wasn't for me. No. And I felt really like insulted. Like my, I, I took the design basics and I really felt like the teacher did not like me, which is, you know what? That's fair. People don't like people, but I like to the point where I would put my work up and she'd start laughing at it. And I was like, okay, that's really Ooh, helpful. That's not kind. Like, uh, there was one project that I think about on the regular because I still am like, it made sense to me. They gave you a word and you had to use, um, you had to recreate it in black and white. I recall the project. Yes. Right. And my word was busy. And so I made like one abstract of whatever. And then the one that was supposed to be a little bit more literal, it was a silhouette of a beaver, like a busy beaver. And she was like, I've never heard of that before. And I was like, whoa, because everybody else did bees. And I did a beaver and she was like, well, obviously the bee was more successful because everybody else got it. And I said, well, in like, I always heard busy beavers growing up. And she was like, well, I guess you're wrong. And then I failed the project and I was like, what the fuck? Cool. So that was fun. Go to art school if you want your dreams crushed. Yeah. You want to feel bad about yourself? Go to art school with with yeah. no help whatsoever see the thing is if i was going to art school now i know i'd fucking crack everything because i know how to think about things differently now i just like but uh nobody wants a 37 year old in art school uh i do i think about quitting and going back to school constantly of just like i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna be like look at this children they can uh no i think i've given make that ACAD. make that vc make that vc major. maybe because there's such cool instructors once you get through that initial shit stage but i don't know maybe yeah anyway pixar's awesome <laughs> pixar we went to art school we didn't get to go to pixar but we still love the films and we yes. are here to talk about those films uh yeah. after this break do 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 who's that pokemon <laughs> da, na, 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 na. Oh, are you doing it i don't know i just realized we're halfway through our recording time and oh it's wow time to do a, how did that happen yeah, okay it always happens we usually most of our halfway mark who's that pokemon's are like 40 minutes yeah you gotta get more systems oh my god okay um or, wait or jess has to edit us down way harder okay i'm gonna do a who's that pokemon for you and you're gonna have to guess it and it's gonna be but i'm not gonna tell you it, it okay i'll give you a hint it isn't a pokemon character okay animal mineral or what what the fuck is that game again 20 questions no no the one where you say like animal mineral blah 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 i think that's 20 uh, questions it. isn't it okay i just thought it was called something with those words in the title okay I've got let one. us know okay okay I've got you're looking through a book i'm looking through you can book. see the book don't look at it okay 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 um stained glass <laughs> no the silhouette is oval okay with little smaller ovals on the bottom of the oval okay so if the oval is sort of like this facing us yes then there's little ovals underneath it yeah um okay there's also i would say almost like an arc on either side of the top of the oval is it a suitcase no that's actually is not it a, a stained bad glass guess. window. No, it is not a stained glass window. Is it a DeLorean, but we're facing it head on with the doors open? No. The gull wing doors. Sometimes the oval has um, almost a little rectangle on top of it. Not all the time. Yes. Uh, what the fudge? Okay. Well, I don't have a lot of guesses here. Here, I'll, 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 I'll make... <laughs> Yeah, please make finger outlines uh, that nobody can see. Yes. 
perfect for the audio medium of podcast. I, I'm making a... Also, it just looks like you're pinch, pinching pinch, pinch. yourself. St. Patrick's Day all over again. Oh, God. Or kids in the hall. I pinch you. I pinch you. Do you give up? Uh, is it a flower? It is not a flower. Okay, I give up. It's Mr. Potato Head. Oh, okay. Okay, wait. Hold up. Wait. It's Mr. Potato Head. There's an oval. Yeah, I have two at home here. I have a toddler. Yeah, you know, it's a Mr. Potato Head. I guess I can see sort of like ovals on the feet, but I'd call those more of a half circle, if I'm being honest. It's time to critique your description. Oh, God. It's like art school all over again. This is a jury crit. Put it up on the wall. Now, most people would have said half circle. So I guess you're wrong. Get out of here. You failed the project. Well, now I can't find the picture. I mean, I know what a Mr. Potato Head looks like. Like I said, I've got Mr., Mrs., and non-binary Potato Head upstairs. Oh, fun. The new Potato Heads are non-gendered. You got a whole whole family. Oh, God. So I have this. Okay, anyway. It's Mr. Potato Head. So one of my, like, dorky collections that I do I I collect all of the art of Pixar books for the different movies I do the same thing for like but it's for Ghibli oh those are cute I love those ones I also have one for Kubo um the two strings yeah that was such a beautiful book and the Iron Giant that was another really good one um but this is one of um the art of Pixar and it's all the different color scripts and some of the uh, concept art for 25 years of Pixar. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes where to buy that uh, at uh, chaptersindigo.ca. And it's it, the, the thing that I like about it is some of the short films, um, the color scripts are in there as well. And I think that this is a great book if you are trying to get into storyboarding because it really does a beautiful job of showing what a finished color script looks like and uh, helps you to frame things out. It's beautiful. I love it. Beautiful. Mm. All right, so what are we here to do? We're here to talk about the best of the best. Our, our top three Pixar movies of all time. Is that the way we're going? Yeah, we're not going to face so. them off against each other? Okay, yeah. let's do our top three. Yeah. Uh, please, please, start us off, Lexi. Let's hear what your very... Actually, let's do it the other way. What's your third? We'll get to the best. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, Save then the I best gotta... for last this time. You really fucked up our format. Mm, okay, okay. Read from the bottom. I have to look at my notes here. Okay. See, I have... My my third place is kind of a tie. I couldn't pick between them. Um, okay, I'm going with it. My my third pick is Up. All right. I like it. Up could have been there for me. Uh, what is it about Up that does it for you? Um, honestly, it's the it's the story of finding purpose again that I really loved. Also, when I went to go see it, if you're unaware with the the story or the premise of Up, old man loses wife, grumpy, goes on an adventure, finds a new family. Done. But the first, what, like six minutes? Can we break out that first six minutes a little more? Because it's not so much like he loses wife. It's like man lives fulfilling, happy life with, you know, some setbacks with his partner. And then, and then, you know, she passes away at the end of her, at the end of her time. Yeah. And he has to say, you know, what's left for me. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, even though I find like, you know, that, that sort of, that sort of putting the wife away. I don't know if it's necessarily fridging as the comic book term goes, mm. but uh, I don't know if putting the female away to further the male story like that really does it for me. I just saw her as becoming the house. Like that was, she just changed. You know That's I mean? an interesting interpretation. So um, when the movie came out, I went and I saw it with my sister and we were sitting in the movie theater and she nudges me and points and we look over and there's this elderly couple sitting there holding hands, just sobbing. And I, like, I can't not think about them every time I watch that movie. But yeah, I really, I, I like that because, so Ellie, the wife. I've got something that can help you with that. Oh, what? Was the old couple white? <laughs> Yes. They're probably racist. Oh. <laughs> Does that help you feel better about them sobbing? Yes. <laughs> Do 
Do you not think that whenever you see old no. people, especially in our city, no, I you go now. Like, fucking racist. Uh, they've said something bad once. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, that's a good way to get over the sadness and up. When Ellie, the wife, dies, I just thought um, her transformation became the house. Um, yeah, so up is my, my third pick. I like it. What about you? Uh, up could have been there. I think that sort of lack of female characters sort of takes me out of it a little bit. Mm especially because uh, the only female character that's even sort of referenced is the wife whose name you said Ellie, is it? I couldn't remember that. Ellie, yeah. But it was just gone after six minutes. And I'm not saying that that necessarily um, couldn't be a story. Oh, right. Unless you believe that she reincarnated as the house and then... No, Ben, the bird is a lady. Oh, okay. So non-human. <laughs> We've othered the only other female in the bo- in the whole movie. She's a mother. Okay. You're not selling me, but uh, you know you're you're the woman. I'm just a white guy. Okay, that's right. probably a racist. What was your movie? I think a third for me is Onward. Interesting. Okay. Um, surprisingly, um, and I think the reason it is is it could be kind of I think brushed aside as one like it got really lost in the shuffle of COVID. It yes. ended up being dumped onto Disney Plus instead of getting like the theatrical release it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I enjoyed about the movie uh, the most was sort of the surprise ending. Um, spoiler alert. We have a sound for that now. Spoilers. The whole premise of the movie is trying to bring back uh, these two boys who lost their dad when they were young. They try to bring them back because the youngest child can't remember the dad or like doesn't have memories of being with his father. Mm-hmm. He wants to have that father figure in his life. And then at the very end, when he's about to be able to meet his father, some stuff gets in the way of that and he can't, but he realizes that it doesn't matter because he's had a father figure his entire life and it's his brother who's done all of that for him, that that stuff that he thought he was longing for. Hmm. I found that ending surprising. I didn't expect it. And uh, I found it uh, rather beautiful, like the people that can take uh, the role of that sort of parenting mm-hmm. or father or whatever you want to call it doesn't necessarily need to be that father. Somebody else can fill that role and do that yeah. for a kid. And I thought that was beautiful and also just surprising. I expected mm. it to be a little bit more rote, uh, you know, oh, my dad's back and now I use yeah. magic to save him and he gets to live with us forever. Yeah. But that's not the case. It's more about acceptance and, and seeing what you still have, even though you think you've lost something. Well, and that's one of the things that I like about Pixar's kind of, um, you know, story story format is that it takes traditional tropes of like a loving relationship and just changes them. Cause I was really like, it's a story about like the love between brothers and family. And that's what I like about a lot of those Pixar movies is it isn't romantic love necessarily. It's just like mm-hmm. different types of relationships. And I really enjoy that kind of change on the traditional story. No. And that's one of the great things about up Two is that relationship between uh, what's his face and what's his face. Russell. <laughs> Russell's the kid, and then, oh, God, I can't remember the old man's yeah. name. Ed. And uh, and, and, and the, the dog. dog. I love that dog so much. Squirrel! Yeah, that was great. Just a little, little bit of taste of up for you there. Uh, yeah, and that's like a great relationship. I only have one problem with um, Onward. Oh, I mean, I'm sure we yeah. could find lots if we tried hard enough. I just don't like Chris Pratt. Oh, that's fair. I mean, the guy's gone... Whack go banana. No, that's pejorative to people with mental illnesses. He's he's made some choices about what he stands for and what he believes in, and has uh, leaned into those. Yeah, he's and they yeah. are things that I support or believe in. Yeah, I'm, I feel like you know, I fell I fell in love with Andy Dwyer on Parks and Recreation, and then I was like, who's this guy? Oh, who didn't? Andy would not say those things. So, yeah, I just uh, I'm not a Pratt fan. Yeah, but I love Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a it's a good lesson. Yeah, you got to remember that uh, actors are not yep, uh, the characters true. they play. It's a good reminder. That was my three. Let's hit your two. What's your second? Numero thing? deuce uh, is Ratatouille. I love that movie. We're gonna take a deuce here. Okay. Stand back. It's, I I regret saying that. Yeah, Ratatouille is my number two. I love it. Oh, that's. I mean, I think it should be higher. Oh no. Ratatouille, this is as high as it's going to get. I loved Ratatouille. Yeah. That entire, I can watch it over and over again. I do. That's my meal prep movie. 
whenever I'm doing my meal prep on Sundays, I'm like, what if we uh, cook together here? Remy? Huh? Yeah. I love that movie. On my head. I love it. Um, I will move us along only because uh, my <laughs> number one is uh, all I can think of is piss and shit now because of Deuce. <laughs> I got to, you, t- oh, you no. took a number two and I got to take a number one. Oh, God. Oh, God. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a child. Um, yeah. I've got a, my, my, my number one favorite Pixar movie is very similar to your, your second choice. So I'm sure we'll talk about it a little okay. bit more in length there. Yeah, perfect. Uh, my second favorite is Finding Nemo. Oh, okay. Seminal classic. It is a classic. I think it's yeah. a beautiful movie about sort of parenting and it's just sweet and learning to support without stifling and without mm-hmm. holding people too close and without like, oh, what's the word? I had it written down and like to to choose my words carefully when I can when I can breathe long enough to do so but um stifling isn't necessarily the word it's about like not trying to take agency away from people with mm. uh, disabilities whatever those might be physical or, or learning uh real humans who can accomplish things and not getting in their way mm-hmm. thinking we're protecting them and I think that is really cool and interesting yeah and it's got some of the best characters ever oh yeah like those are classic Pixar Bruce the shark. Oh, so good. Dory. Yeah. I mean, Marlon himself is pretty fantastic. Neurotic parent. You know, again, uh, uh, a female and a mother character gets gets killed off pretty quick to further the the emotional (laughs) story of a male character. But yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that that is a thing that happens. Well, and we've talked about in the past, like sometimes a good story is manipulative and it takes something that isn't easy. Like, eh, we'll just kill off the mom. Nah, drama. And yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it is the sort of thing that is lazy. Um, yeah. And could be earned differently or, you know, they could just shake it up a bit and kill the dad and let the mom go on that journey with the child for once, which is actually, one of the reasons Brave almost made my list as number three and yeah. could have been very easily is Brave lets us uh, enjoy that mother-daughter relationship in a way that yes. a lot of these these modern North American sort of like family tales do not. They mm-hmm. often focus on that father-child relationship. Movie. Yeah, but Brave was fantastic and I think gets a little bit a little bit underappreciated personally. Mm-hmm. Well, plus it has Billy Connolly, and I mean, who you can't go wrong Billy with Billy Connolly, Connolly unless he's done Just some terrible classic. things, and then let's. Then you can go wrong, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess, don't know. Yeah. Didn't didn't Google Billy Connolly before saying any of that? Yeah, time will tell, I guess. Or did already? We don't know. We don't. It could be out there, and we're just very. Well, don't Google this. Problem. We're not going. We're not going to Wikipedia for once. We'll find out later. <laughs> So let's get to our number one film. What is your number one Pixar film of all time? My number one Pixar film of all time is... Drum roll, please. Wally. I already said it. Wally. Oh, I didn't hear you. I was talking (laughs) over you like a great (laughs) meal. Wally is great. Yeah, actually, I want to change my list. Uh... I'm now putting Brave okay. at number two, and Wally is oh, probably my okay. third. Yeah, my whole list has changed. I've decided that I did not think about this strongly enough. This is why you need all the Pixar books. Onward was great, but it's no Wally. Wally yeah, is exactly. Like one of the greatest films. I'm changing it one more time. Oh my god, Wally's two for me, and Brave is three. You're taking Onward right off the list. I'm, I am. It was a cool movie and I like talking about it. It's just more recent in my memory, which is why I got there. But Wally is a movie I fell asleep to like nightly oh, uh, for years. It is a, a film that can have that much power without any type of spoken word for like whatever it was, like 30 minutes into the film, 40 minutes. Yeah. That's proper storytelling and just... It's it's beautiful. It's interesting. It's different. The imagery of it is beautiful. I love the juxtaposition of this really polluted planet and the very clean technology. And then just the two robots playing back and forth against each other. Everything about that film. I love the message behind it. We reference it daily. Every time there's new technology or we get something new for the house, we got a bed that um, inclines (laughs) and 
we were joking around like one step closer to living on the spaceship. <laughs> I like it. We just call everything Tron if it has lights on it. Ooh, yeah, that's fair. It's Tron. <laughs> What's your number one? Uh, my number one is Ratatouille. Yay! Uh, it may not be what anyone might consider like the strongest story, et cetera, et cetera, but it is my favorite. Um, the warm tones of the animation itself yeah. are just so inviting. The soundtrack is probably one of the best in any of the Pixar films. Um, oh, no, I'm going to push back on that one because um, that's the first thing on Wally that I fell in love with, like playing. I said one of the best. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm willing that. to give some wiggle room okay, here, but Wally's fair. fantastic. Oh, um, yeah. It just hits the right notes for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love France. I love Paris. Um, it is romantic, especially if you don't live there full time. And uh, that all plays into this movie. Uh, I'm a foodie. I love to cook, uh, all of that. But the big thing for me is the idea of anyone can cook. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a concept that really resonates with me in all sorts of art that I make and do um, about taking away sort of that pretense of of talent and skill being more important than the idea of just trying and doing something that you love and finding a way to do it. Um, without it needing to be mm-hmm. the very best or five star or whatever you want to call it and allowing other people to do it too and find their way to do it. Um, and, and just not gatekeeping something like that. Yeah. And I find that beautiful. I think it's kind of the same message of Wally that like anybody can make a difference and make a change. You just have to do it. And it's interesting. Two different films, similar kind of connotations there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just think of it in like art and everything and just like, you know, especially with all our conversation about sort of like art school, particularly getting into particular majors and stuff like that. Yeah. And the whole uh, the whole character of Anton Ego as, um, and it's one of the things Pixar does fantastically is like uh, antagonists that, you know, aren't necessarily like evil or villains necessarily. Actually, yeah, very human. Not Pixar, but Encanto did that fantastically recently. If you watch that one, um, the grandmother character as sort of the antagonist, just not needing that to be a mustache twirling villain is great. And Anton Ego is fantastic and reconnecting with with food and understanding that, yeah, that anyone can do it and anyone should do it and we shouldn't be mm-hmm. holding people back or trying to gatekeep people from doing the things that they enjoy and trying to make an impact with them. Mm-hmm. I, I I just like a film or a story where the bad guy or the villain isn't really the bad guy or the villain. And with Encanto, it was probably closer to the end of the movie where I was like, oh, the grandma's the bad guy. Like for the longest time, I was just like, man, she's kind of a bitch. But it never even occurred to me that she was the one pushing the st- and that's what I really like about a lot of these is you there's so much humanity in well, the that shocking that sort of yeah. that shocking sort of realization you had oh she's the bad guy but like even still like you were probably also like but she's not really really like, yeah she's an antagonist but I've been programmed to look for that <laughs> uh, clad in purple character in my Disney Pixar films that is the villain. <laughs> Yeah, if it's like a poisonous green, then it's going to be the bad guy. And so, yeah, watch out for purple tones in Disney or Pixar because they're bad. Green, like, yeah, acid greens, purples, bad person. It was codified. It was even in comics, like old Marvel and DC comics. Your superheroes wore your yellows, blues, and reds, and your villains wore your greens and purples and sometimes orange. Look at the Joker. Yep. He's there. He's at like, look at the X-Men. Every single one of them is clad in blue, (laughs) yellow, and red. Yeah. It's interesting. Such a weird codification of colors. And I don't really know what that means, but I'd love to take a Chatelaine quiz about it. (laughs) We should make our own color quiz. We should make our own quizzes. (laughs) Like, what do these colors mean? Pick your favorites and we'll tell you what kind of person you are, villain or whatever. Or we could just link to some Disney-like villain. Yeah quiz share it on facebook pick your favorite disney villain and we'll tell you what type of sandwich you should eat oh my god (laughs) it's great i like it i actually want that now how do we make a quiz lexi everything is just going to be egg salad (laughs) it's the trick egg salad (laughs) egg salad is a highly underrated sandwich filling egg salad is fantastic uh i don't eat eggs Mm -hmm. uh for the last three or four years but uh what I love eggs, but it turns out that I have some sort of intolerance for them, and so I don't eat them anymore. It's a bummer. 
Yeah. I can eat them like cooked into stuff, but I just can't eat them like on their own. Weirdly on enough. Own. Yeah, get... that's. They're my main protein source. You get old and things just start well, that's, breaking. I can't eat red meat anymore or a lot of bread. And they don't. They don't stop breaking. Yeah, getting old's fun, people. Just don't do it. <sighs> on the next episode, we'll just list the things that we can't eat I, anymore. I kind of love that. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Onions. Onions. Wow. I don't like red onions anymore. They burn a little bit too much. I can't. Onions, garlic, bread, uh, pasta. I actually, I have to go get tested for a gluten yeah, intolerance. Yeah, I was going to say, it yeah, sounds that's, like that's, you might this have is my a, life now. either celiac or gluten intolerance. Everyone's got gluten intolerance now. Can't have beer. I I used to, you know, beer was my like my drink of my 20s and now I can't. The, I haven't had a beer in over a year and a half. I mean, I just don't drink it all now because I'm old. I get too sluggish. Yeah, that's also. I feel kind of sluggish. <laughs> Need my wits about me. Yeah. <laughs> Got to listen for those little feet running up and down the stairs. Now, do they like to sneak out? Well, I, I know that one can't sneak out, but the other one. Okay, so weirdly. Is he a no, sneaker? Because uh, he has not been interested in moving to what we call his big kid bed yet. So he's still sleeping hmm. in his crib for the time being, and we don't need it until the other one hits around the six-month mark. That's when you sort of move them out of their bassinet and out of your bedroom and into their own space. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're not in a rush to push him, but he he does not climb out of his crib. He stays in there. It's weird. It's uh, magical. Like everyone else I know with kids like that age have like long since like leaped over the side of their cribs and run out. Yeah. We did figure out how to open up doorknobs this last week. And all I can think Uh-oh. of is that scene from Jurassic Park with the fucking raptors. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great. Because depending on which way the door is facing, he'll use a different hand so that he can more easily turn the knob. And it's actually quite clever. Clever oh, girl. Oh, clever girl. Yes. Easy, breezy, beautiful. Clever girl. Clever girl. Oh, boo. The best, meme. the best meme. Oh, my God. I'd like to talk to you all about visual memes or memes. Hey, what did you think of red? I liked red a lot. I liked red. Yeah. Um, I liked it being, you know, sort of Canadian uh, setting. Um, yeah. Like the part where she rolls under the bed and starts steamily drawing sexy pictures. Like if you didn't <laughs> do know. that as a teen, like start drawing some sexy pictures, then like, what were you even doing? I remember I was writing it's sexy that, stories too. Oh, yeah. At one point my parents found my drawings and my, my writing on my computer in my room. Um, and uh, I, the next thing I know, I came home from school and there was a pastor from the church sitting there waiting to talk to me in my room. I was like, no, what the fuck? So I actually just said, he's like, well, I'm here to talk to you about this stuff. And I was like, nah. And so I turned around and left and left the house. <laughs> I must have been like 13. It's like, no, thanks. Amazing. Yeah. I related with that part hard. <laughs> I loved the boy band obsession because oh, yeah. 2003, yes, I got in trouble not for what i wrote but that i wrote it on my mom's work computer but i was writing a steam backstreet boys fan fiction oh where i like happened to move into a loft and just met the backstreet boys who all lived in the same apartment together because that's a normal thing why wouldn't you write a story about right and uh, yeah just that part of it i was like a hundred percent that was what my teenage years were like yes I loved it. Yeah, they didn't get into some of the other parts of my teenage years, which was going into weird Australian chat rooms and uh, pretending to be somebody older than I was. But yeah, there was a real lack of going on AOL on that movie. But other than that, you know. Yeah, we might be just a couple years, a uh, couple years senior to the characters in that yeah. film, but very, very, very much uh, enjoyed yeah. it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. And it was one of those movies where we get to see the, you know, a mother daughter dynamic as well as like generational Mm -hmm. trauma and immigration uh, and how that affects people in different settings and sort of being out of place. Um, And that's, that was all very fascinating to me. I thought it was very Mm -hmm. relatable, very interesting. um, And I love the aunties. They were just so lively. I found them very enjoyable. Yeah, they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, my kids have a couple of aunties and there was some, some feels there. <laughs> I also really liked their being Timbits on the table. Like at that point I was like, Ooh, Timbit. Like, Oh yeah. Of course. That's what all the Canadians are like. Ah, eh? 
that's that's Tim Bits, Tim Hortons, because yeah. Canada. I'm like, oh God, Canada. Eh? Oh, let's talk about it. <laughs> I liked how the dads uh, oh the dad. popped in and out to sneak into the Tim Bits <laughs> like. When the uh, Ming, the mom character, was busy dealing with May, and the dad's just in the background, like sneaking Timbits. I love it. Yeah, he was my favorite character in that entire. Like, I love the aunties, but I think um, the dad was the best. Oh, I, I think my favorite's. Oof, it's hard. It's oh, but also May was great. But Abby, I've already said this. Abby stole the show. Abby's fantastic, yes. but like I think Ming herself as a character was just like like outside the school, like yelling about pads coming in. That was the other thing that got me. Like at first, I'm like, okay, this whole movie is going to be like a big allusion towards menstruation and yeah. uh, you know puberty for women. And then instead, it was just 15 minutes in. They're talking about it straight up, and I'm like, good for you. Yeah, it it happens. Like, we shouldn't have to couch that. Yeah, like people get. There's periods. no reason for us to have to count couch that in some sort of like analogy of a red panda um instead we just get to use that as an analogy for uh you know going through puberty in general mm-hmm. so yeah i was glad they just nailed that right away i i did not expect that either i also the whole friend group i really like that dynamic because it's easy and lazy i think in storytelling to go with the mean girl trope and I just love seeing a group of friends that are just supportive of each other. Even when there's a hiccup, it's not that like, yeah, there was some things weren't great, but they all came back together and they were so supportive of each other. And that's what I really love to see. That entire friend group was just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Girls not uh, being forced to uh, be antagonistic to each other yeah. is uh, a relatively novel idea in pop culture. What do you think a Pixar movie about like Alberta would be about don't say horses don't say horses oh uh, it's hard to say because like the story of of may and ming is is kind of universal across alberta and north america yep um if you've uh ever get a chance you got to watch this movie called uh i think it's in search of general sow uh i might be mispronouncing that but yes it sort of gets into the idea yeah. of um chinese restaurants across north america being in like every town as a mm-hmm. uh, support mechanism for new immigrants and stuff like that so like my point being that you could take that 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 um, that story of Ming and May and transplant it into Alberta, and it could be a story here as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard to pick a prototypical, yeah, Alberta quote unquote story unless you want to lean into a bunch oh. of stereotypes, which is not my my bag. I don't know. Get the Rockies involved somehow. Uh, some prairies. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure if we've got if we've got some sort of centralized story or if there is anything like that. I I don't think in I'm forgive me in the white part of Alberta. No, but I think there's some really incredible stories of non-white folks in Alberta that would be really well worth like the story of John Ware. Oh, there's tons. Or Poundmaker or like there's so many incredible historical figures that were instrumental in North American, Canadian, just humanity and the culture. Like Poundmaker is an incredible figure from the past. Yeah, um, I forget this. Uh, if you've ever been to the mm-hmm. Glenbow um, in the sort of history section, when they weren't shut down for their massive renovation, there's a story of a yeah. uh, Chinese family that goes to Pinocchio to open up a uh, a Chinese restaurant there, and it's sort of an echo of that yeah. same thing I was mentioning before. So that story is there. There's a story that you could do. I don't know if it'd be a Pixar exactly, but um, just doing research for my my graphic novel that I did that was sort of historical murder mystery fiction. Um, I saw a lot of uh, indication that there was a giant sort of um, camp of undocumented workers that were working in the mines that weren't like officially there, so to speak. And they were just all camped out in a giant field, but none of those people get recorded and they all died. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff there too like just undocumented workers that you know just completely lost to to history and uh, time and and tragedy yeah um but that's that's a very common story across this country yeah oh yeah the exploitation of people like this un- unfortunately but it's the way it is let's face it north america was built on the backs of exploitation 
So if we're going to do a Pixar movie, uh, it's, it's hard <laughs> oh, to God. think of. Is it, is it a, a European white family in the late 1800s, early 1900s coming to take some land that they think is free and realizing it's not and it comes from someone else? Comes at a cost. Like, can you make a feel-good movie about that? I don't know. Uh, I don't. Well, what type of songs would they sing? Can Lin-Manuel really oh, solve know. that problem? Oh, can we just Lin talk Manuel. about that uh, the Bruno song? For a second, because we don't talk about no, we can't. It is, it's in the song lyrics. We don't talk about such an earworm. The, everyone was posting about it online, and I was like, I listened to it, and I thought eh, it's not that great of a song. And then two days later, I couldn't stop yeah. thinking about it. I was like, what if I just listen to it one more time? And then, yeah. and I've been listening to it on repeat, and I don't even have kids. So, God, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, music makes those films. That's part of the dna of those disney and and pixar movies i think well essential you know, that's it that's a that's, it. that's a wrap on our pixar chat our favorite films thanks for listening um if you've enjoyed our show if you've been listening to all 21 episodes it'd be super cool we'd appreciate it if you could go give us a rating and review on wherever it is you get your podcast that would be super cool and help us fight algae rhythm if you've seen the new Space Jam movie, you get that. If no. not, it's algorithm. Oh, God. <laughs> kind of fight the algorithm. We should do an episode on Space Jam and just talk about both of those films. The no. Cult classic and the not. I, cult I refuse to watch the new one. It's not going to happen, Ben. Oh, you should watch it just no. so that we can do an episode to compare and contrast with that heartwarming original. Nothing can ever take my heart away from original Space Jam. No, and it won't. Right. It absolutely won't. You will be disgusted with what you see. I already am. With I don't need to watch the movie. I know. I've seen a picture. Come on. And if you want us to do an episode uh, contrasting and comparing the two Space Jams, also <laughs> leave us some comments or send us some emails and uh, help me peer pressure uh, <laughs> Lexi into doing that episode and then also having a cigarette. Ooh, the gateway. Peer pressure is a good drug. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been Dork Matters, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Dork, 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 dork. Dork, dork. Thanks for listening to Dork Matters. If you like the podcast, subscribe, give a rating, and tell a friend about us. If you are a fellow dork and have a dork issue that you think we need to discuss, tell us on our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also check out our original art and other content from Ben and myself. We'd like to say a big thank you to Yabra for the use of our theme song Dance off of their Astral EP, as well as a thank you to Jess Schmidt for producing and editing our podcast. Thanks, Jess. Dork Matters. This podcast is created on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Sixiga, the Bigani, and the Gaina. We also acknowledge the Stony Nakoda Nation, Sutena, and Metis Region 3. Dork Matters is a proud member of the Alberta Public Radio Podcast Network.